Hello, I'm Lonnie Hirsch, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of my ongoing podcast series on the business of healthcare. Today, my guest is Brad Wakefield, CEO of the Corvallis Clinic in Corvallis, Oregon. The Corvallis Clinic is a physician-led, multi-specialty clinic that includes 113 providers representing 27 specialties across 10 locations. The clinic is the largest multi-specialty medical group in the mid-Willamette Valley of Oregon. Brad, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Lonnie, thank you. It's uh, good to be with you. The Corvallis Clinic has been a large multi-specialty medical group for decades, but the rise of more large multi-specialty medical groups uh, continues to be a growing trend around the country. What advantages do larger multi-specialty groups like the Corvallis Clinic and others provide to their communities? Well, Ani, I thought maybe I'd start answering the first question with a little story that happened recently here in Corvallis. Um, A friend of mine was in a minor car accident, and um, he gave me a quick call, and, and I just made sure he was okay. And then he asked me some questions and and I said, well, you know, why don't you come into our um, urgent care center and have one of our physicians check you out just to make sure everything's okay. And so that's what he did. Um, uh, Had a friend, his car wasn't drivable, but it had a friend kind of drop him off. And um, so he went in, uh, saw one of our urgent care physicians, Uh, the physician examined him and uh, had some, you know, neck pain and some other pain, and so wanted him to get uh, a CT scan just to rule out any kind of problems um, that may have resulted from the car crash. So um, in the same building, we have our our CT scanner, and so he was sent down uh, to the radiology department, had his CT scan. The results were read um, kind of immediately by a radiologist that we have on site. He went back to the immediate care center, discussed those results um, with uh, the physician, and then was given a prescription for some pain uh, and some instructions to to call if uh, he had any other questions. And so when he was all done, you know, he called me back and um, we chatted for a minute. He goes, you know, that was that was really convenient to be able to stay in the same place. Um, you know, see the doctor, get my CT scan. We actually have a pharmacy as well in the same building. And he just, you know, felt like uh, he was able to get everything he needed without having to run around. He wasn't feeling great. And so, you know, maybe having to drive to a pharmacy or drive somewhere else to get a CT scan would have been more difficult and time-consuming for him. And so, um, anyway, I think that story kind of illustrated, at least in my mind, some of the ways that having you know, a multi-specialty group all in one general area um, kind of helps patients from a convenience standpoint. If he would have needed to have seen a specialist, you know, that specialist probably would have been within walking distance to where um, the immediate care center was. And so if he would have needed labs, those could have been drawn without him going anywhere. So anyway, um, I think that is a reason uh, why a lot of organizations have kind of turned into larger multi-specialty groups because a lot of times patients need more than just one thing when they come to the doctor. And having those things available um, all in one place is is convenient and nice for patients, and they appreciate that. Well, I I can certainly uh, see the um, convenience factor and the general efficiency from the perspective of the patient 
uh, and I guess the providers as well. But I guess my next question would be, how does self-contained coordination of the multi-specialty care within the same organization, how does that benefit patients in terms of uh, health information and health outcomes? Can you track that? Sure. I mean, we, we see that every day in, um, you know, patients who are receiving care from more than one physician and they're getting labs drawn and they're having radiology studies done. Um, if all of that is in one medical record, it's really instantly available to everyone in the delivery system that's involved in the care of that patient um, immediately. And, um, and there's really not a, any need to duplicate things or you know, run additional tests because everything's immediately available and shareable. And so uh, I think physicians find that um, convenient and easier in the, in the care of patients, uh, especially when there's multiple physicians or different providers involved in that care. And patients, too, I think, have an easier time um, because all of their medical records are kind of all in one place. And so, uh, you know, a situation that happens fairly frequently in, in places like this is a patient will have maybe a chronic condition and they'll be getting care throughout maybe the different people within the Corvallis Clinic, and then potentially something happens and they need to go up to a university or they need to go someplace else for care. If they were receiving care in four or five different practices, they'd have to kind of go around and collect medical records from all of those places and potentially, you know, bring those with them. Um, you know, having it all in one place means that the patient can either just get an electronic file or, uh, you know, request medical records one time, get all of their records, and then maybe take them wherever they need to go. And so um, I think that's one aspect. The other aspect is in many of our electronic medical records now, there are um, sections of that record that will keep track of the last time you had a tetanus shot. If you're a diabetic, the last time you had your hemoglobin A1C checked or other kinds of things that routine things that we should all have based on different conditions that we have in our electronic medical record kind of there's a section for all of those things and if we forget to remind you that you need a tetanus shot the system will send you a text message or an email to say hey it's been 10 years since your last tetanus shot you should call our office and come in and have a shot and so being able to coordinate that all in one place, all in one record, I think is really beneficial for both physicians and patients. And a lot of times we're not good at remembering all the preventative kinds of things we should be doing. And uh, if you don't see the doctor very often in the old days, if the doctor didn't open your medical record to see what you had had and, you know, checked here and there to see when the last time you had all these things done, it was very labor intensive and time consuming to do that. And with the new technology that we have, it's much easier, much less um, time consuming. And uh, even on our patient portal, you can log in to see all these different things and when the last time you had them and when you should get your next one. So I just think in general, we're going to be much better at getting done all the things that we need to get done with less hassle and duplication by using some of the technology that's out there today. Well, I can certainly uh, see uh, all of those upsides. I guess, you know, flipping the coin for a minute, what are some of the challenges that a large multi-specialty group faces uh, that smaller practices may not? 
Well, I think one of the big ones is kind of just a culture and, and an atmosphere where, you know, in smaller practices, you used to walk in the door and a lot of times you would know all of the staff because they there were just a few of them and, uh, you know, they may have been there for a long time and they knew you and you knew them. Uh, and, and I think in today's larger multi-specialty medical groups, sometimes people don't always have that feeling when they walk into an organization that people know who they are as individuals and, um, you know, that they knew that they know the people that, that are taking care of them. And so that's a constant challenge for us to kind of reinforce with our um, employees that, hey, you know, these people are your, your family and they're going to potentially be here a lot. We really do need to get to know them and, and treat them, you know, the way that we would have treated them 20 or 30 years ago um, if they would have walked into our, our small office that we had back then. Um, and so I think that's kind of the, the major challenge, but I think many organizations are going through that, you know, banks are going through that. And uh, so there's really good tools out there and, and, you know, opportunities for us to do training with our staff so that we can provide that feeling when you come to the office that, you know, that, that we're here to take care of you and that you can rely on us and that we know who you are. Um, uh, our new system you know, allows us to embed pictures in there. So we, when you check in for your appointment, there's a picture of you. We can get to know who you are, what you look like, um, associate a name with a face. So we are trying to use, um, you know, technology to help us and, and provide that service um, that I think people expect when they come to the doctor. That's very interesting. I can, I can see why that would be uh, a bit more difficult for a larger organization. Um, let me uh, go to a different topic that I'd like to get your feedback on. I've seen that there are numerous studies and reports that uh, seem to conclude that the increase of high deductible health plans in both the employer market and the individual insurance market is resulting in more patients deferring often important medical care due to the financial burden of uh, significant out-of-pocket costs. Uh, and I was just wondering, what's been your experience at the Corvallis Clinic in terms of uh, patients' perception of access or lack thereof uh, because of high deductible plans, um, as well as uh, deferred appointments and deferred medical procedures? So we are seeing that, and and I think um, it is happening. And so I guess there are kind of two two comments that I have. The first one um, is that uh, under the Affordable Care Act, the way that it's um, written today, preventative things um, aren't subject to those deductibles. And so we're trying to educate our patients so that they understand that and that they know that you know, the routine screening things, um, the annual physicals, immunizations, the, the really important health maintenance things um, aren't subject to those high deductibles and they, and they should and could be coming in for those things on a regular basis. Um, colonoscopies, for example. So even some larger procedures that are a little bit more expensive are still covered um, uh, under the law today um, and aren't subject to those high deductibles. The reality, though, is so, that there are things that, that are subject to those deductibles that people need to have done, and we are seeing a lot more seasonality 
um, is a term we can use. It's, it's not like retail seasonality where you brought by, you know, spring clothes in the spring, but it's seasonality in that um, we are really, really busy um, in October, November, and December because people have sometimes met those high deductibles and they want to get all the rest of their care um, that they think they may need done in that year if they've already met their deductible. And then come January, we're actually much less busy than we were four or five years ago because people have now, their deductibles have now reset. And so they may not have, you know, the $1,000 or $2,000 that it takes to come in and get, you know, whatever need they need to have done, done in January or February. Uh, and so it may take a little while for them to save up enough money that year to get it done. And so they may not come in for that care until later. And, and if it is something that potentially, you know, needed to be taken care of, it, it could end up being more serious and more um, problematic later. Um, we do participate with different um, kind of financial organizations to allow people to have uh, no interest um, opportunities to borrow some money for 12 to 18 months. And so we participate with an organization called Care Credit. It's kind of similar to a credit card, but there's no interest for the first um, 12 or 18 months, depending on kind of the, the, the options that you have. And so you could come in in January uh, and take until the following January to, to pay off um, the care that you need under those programs. So we are looking for ranges of options and different solutions for people because um, it is true with high deductibles. Um, I think the, la the latest article that I read said that only about 35% of the people with high deductible plans actually have that deductible in liquid assets available. So if you have a $1,000 deductible, only 35% of the people have $1,000 today in their bank account that they can use or their HSA account that they can use to pay for $1,000 worth of care if they needed that. So it's a, it's a real problem. And we, you know, we talk about it and, and try and make plans so that we can continue to, to have access and, and opportunities for our patients to come see us. But, um, but we don't always have a solution every single time. And, and in those cases, it is difficult for patients. I'm going to ask you a crystal ball question, which is probably a little unfair, but I'd just like to get your opinion. Uh, and that is with the future um, and the specifics of healthcare reform still being worked out, uh, how do you anticipate and prepare for changes that may affect patient care that the Corvallis Clinic provides? Can you? Uh, I think we can, and um, you know we may not be able to prepare for every contingency, but I think in general, the way that we look at the future um, is that patients are going to need health care, and primary care is showing to be you know something that can actually hold down the cost of health care. If people come and see their primary care doctors on a regular basis, um, they're usually incurring less healthcare costs um, over their lifetime than if they don't come in and get the routine care from a primary care doctor that they should. And so we're trying to make primary care very available by hiring as many primary care doctors as we can. Um, we're opening our third retail clinic um, later this year. And so we want 
to cast a very wide, um, kind of broad and accessible primary care net. And we believe that no matter what happens with healthcare laws, um, that that will be an important resource for patients, regardless of what happens, um, you know, with legislation and, and things like that. And so I think the other piece of that um, that's important to us is that great healthcare at reasonable prices from, you know, great well-trained doctors and nurses is, is, is going to be in demand, I think, regardless of, of what happens um, in the future. And so not just primary care, but some, some other specialties, um, you know, where people are going to hurt their knee playing sports. And so they're going to need to come in and see uh, a doctor and, you know, and potentially have surgery if they've torn something. And so those are services that we want to have available. Um, the, the difference between having your knee fixed in an ambulatory surgery center that's not part of a hospital um, versus an ambulatory surgery center that is part of a hospital, it's usually about half the cost to have it done in an independent ambulatory surgery center. And so we think regardless of what happens in the future with healthcare reform, that being able to provide uh, a high level of healthcare at a reasonable price will never go out of style and will never not be in demand in this country. And so we don't have a, a clear crystal ball, um, but I think we believe there's some kind of bedrock principles that if we're true to will help us to be successful regardless of um, what the government is going to do or not going to do or is able to do or unable to do. Um, we think those things will be important. There's still going to be, you know, 300,000 people in our three county area that are going to need health care. Um, and, and we're going to be here to provide that regardless of, um, you know, the, the funding mechanisms that we may or may not have control over. Well, that that kind of leads into another question I had that I think is somewhat an extension of what you were just talking about. Uh, what role do you see these larger multi-specialty groups like yours playing in healthcare innovation? And uh, what innovations does the Corvallis Clinic have planned or maybe recently implemented? Well, I think one of the reasons that healthcare has consolidated into larger groups is that, um, you know, some of the technology and some of the innovation that we've been working on and that's being working been being worked on nationally tends to be expensive. And spreading the costs of innovation and technology over a larger number of physicians, you know, makes that technology and innovation. I think happen faster and makes it more readily available to people. And so, um, you know, I think what we're working on is really um, the interaction with our patients used to be um, over the phone and um, in person. And if you think about, you know, other industries where that used to be the case, um, you know, you used to have to go into a bank and see someone in order to get money or to transfer money from one account to another. And now you can log onto your computer and you can do that from home. And we're really looking at the same kinds of things. So, um, you know, the days of coming into the Corvallis Clinic and us handing you a clipboard and having to fill out a bunch of paper and make a bunch of signatures um, by hand are really 
going to the wayside and we're really um, in an era now where you can fill out those forms before you come to the office electronically. You can sign them electronically. You can schedule appointments online. Uh, you can check in for your appointment online using your mobile phone, using your computer. And so the, the kinds of things that you've seen happen in other industries, the banking industry, the airline industry, healthcare has really lagged behind those industries significantly. And I think we're now catching up um, and we're able to do a lot of those things. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, our, our new electronic medical record actually tracks um, kind of your health maintenance activities and it'll remind you, send you a text message um, reminding you of things. Our physicians can now input um, uh, kind of information into the system that will then call the patient and remind them of something. Instead of the physician maybe having to call them to remind them of something, um, they can actually initiate uh, some technology calling that patient, maybe when the patient's at home that night, um, instead of uh, the doctor calling and the patient maybe being at work or not available and having to leave a message. Um, so there's a lot of things that we're doing to, to help patients remind them of things. Um, we're this year going to start some telehealth services. And so you, you'll be able to visit the doctor from your computer screen as opposed to coming into the office for a visit. Um, we have patients that drive, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to see us. And um, if you think about the weather and and age and all different kinds of things, the convenience factor, if we can do some of that healthcare um, from your home and you don't have to come and see us physically, um, we certainly want to be able to do that. There will be times, you know, obviously where patients will have to come in and be examined, but, you know, if we're following up on some lab results or if we're getting some information, asking some questions, and, and we don't have to do a physical exam, certainly being able to do things um, in, in other, using other technology, I think will be a great advance for patients. Um, not everyone likes to come and, and wait in our waiting room and read our magazines, and so if we can do things more efficiently, um, that's certainly our goal. There's a lot of great technology out there that's coming um, you know, and I think you'll see us adopt that as we really feel like it's a benefit to our patients. So, you know, there's new home monitoring devices. There's all kinds of things on the horizon. And I think as an organization, we're uh, very good at looking at all of that, those kinds of things and really um, thinking about as a, an organization, how do we implement some of this technology to make things better for our patients? On the, um, on the front of these larger multi-specialty groups, it's kind of like hospitals in the respect that very often the multi-specialty group is also one of the larger employers in the community. Uh, I know the Corvallis Clinic is, I believe, the fourth largest employer in the community. So how do you see your role in supporting the local economy as well as providing important medical care? Well, that's a great question, and, and we, do, um, we do take our role in the community very seriously. And so, you know, as a large employer, we, uh, we want to make sure that we are treating our employees as well as we can because they're val very valuable um, assets to the community that we live in. And so, um, you know, we offer very p competitive um, salaries and benefits. Um, to our employees, and we're always looking for ways, you know, to enhance 
those things because we want to retain people. We want them to be able to continue to live and, and be happy here living uh, in Corvallis and Albany and the other areas that we're in. And so those things are important to us. And, and I think we do a very good job of um, looking at the market and where we need to be so that um, we're taking great care of our employees. We also kind of ask our employees to uh, take care of the community as well. And so the Corvallis Clinic has a foundation and has had a foundation um, for over 50 years. It was started by some of our physicians many years ago. And that foundation supports a lot of um, activities in the community. So supports the Boys and Girls Club, um, supports an organization called Community Outreach that does things for homeless people. Um, I could I could list, you know, probably 15 different organizations that our foundation supports um, that are all important parts of our community. And then we also provide scholarships through our foundation um, to high school and college age kids. And uh, we have about six or seven different scholarships that we award every year to people, you know, local within the community that, that helps, I think, get more and more kids to college and has a more educated kind of healthcare focused um, workforce that, that then we can draw on um, as well as, you know, having a foundation, a lot of our physicians and employees just provide volunteer service um, in the community. And so, you know, we realize that we're a big part of this community and with that comes some responsibility for us. Um, and I think the other part of that that we've been focus, focusing on recently is kind of the total cost of healthcare. And so, you know, the average family of four in the United States, it costs them about $1,500 a month in premium between what their employer pays and what they pay to have health insurance. Um, and many times that's even health insurance with a $1,000 deductible. And so, you know, we're really looking at the total cost of healthcare and how that impacts families in our communities. And we are doing things to make sure that we're trying to hold down that total cost of healthcare. And so we're working with some health plans on, uh, on ways of looking at data um, to identify things that we can do to hold down that total cost of healthcare because, you know, I think sometimes the, the, the perception of businesses is that we want to make as much money as possible. Um, and certainly, you know, we want to be able to pay our bills and we want to be able to pay salaries to our employees. But we really do feel like we have a, a, a duty to our community to hold down the total cost of health care because it is such a significant portion of people's monthly budgets. And, and, you know, as we talked earlier, people are having a hard time affording their deductibles. And so if we can hold down the total cost of healthcare, we believe it's going to be better for our local economy. More money can be spent on other things other than healthcare. Uh, because if you ask the average, you know, family, they'll probably have a, a big list of things they would rather spend money on than $1,500 a month on healthcare. And so we think we, we think the healthcare system can do a better job. Uh, and, and we're specifically working on, you know, how do we manage diabetics so that they don't end up in the hospital? How do we manage hypertensives better so they don't end up in the hospital? Uh, all kinds of efforts going on um, to treat people in, a, in ways that have, are better than the way we've done it in the past to try and hold down that, that health care cost. So Brad, what do you uh, want or expect the Corvallis Clinic to look like 
five years from now? Can you project? You know, I think so. It seems like time goes by so fast that five years is going to go by pretty quickly. Um, you know, it almost these days takes a year to recruit a doctor and get them an Oregon license and get them credentialed with all the insurance companies and get them practicing. And so um, five years is going to go by pretty quickly. I think some of the things that we've already talked about are things that you will see from the Corvallis Clinic, but you'll just see more of them. So you'll see more primary care uh, and you'll see that in more places. And so we'll have more locations where you can kind of easily access a primary care doctor. You'll be able to access that primary care doctor from your phone, from your computer, or go in and see him or her if you need to do that. And so that there'll be more opportunities using technology. Um, we think that for some of our frail um, uh, patients, you, you'll see more monitors in their home, uh, monitoring their conditions and, and communicating with us um, really without the patient even knowing it about what's going on with them. And so, for example, people that have congestive heart failure, if that congestive heart failure starts to get worse, they're going to start to retain water and gain weight. And so there's smart scales out there right now that can, you know, take that patient's weight on a daily basis and send that information to us electronically. Uh, and then we can monitor that patient's weight. And if we see that weight starts to go up, we can reach out proactively, call that patient and say, you know, we see that your weight's gone up five pounds in the last two weeks. Uh, we think there may be an issue. Please come in and see the doctor. We want to check, you know, and, and see if your congestive heart failure is getting worse. Um, and that's just one example of many different things. Uh, I, think, I think the biggest change you'll see is that instead of kind of waiting, waiting for people to call us, we may be calling them saying, you know, based on um, your last blood test based on, you know, your last this or your last that, or based on some things we're seeing from your home monitors, we'd like you to come into the office or we'd like you to get on your computer and talk with the doctor. Um, so those are the things that I expect to see. Um, I think based on the demographics of the country, you know, we're still going to have uh, a large elderly population that um, is getting older. People are living longer. Um, as people live longer, you know, you start to see those conditions that happen with people as they get older. Um, we'll need to be ready to take care of those things um, and, and be ready to address kind of this healthcare cost issue, which if it continues to go up at a significantly higher rate than inflation, um, you know, it's going to become unaffordable for all of us. And so that's um, something that, that we need to never take our eye off of and will certainly be as important, I think, five years from now as it is today if not more important. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's really uh, interesting to hear you talk about some of the, uh, some of the aspects of a multi-specialty group in the future being uh, more, playing a more proactive than reactive role with, uh, with patients. And, yeah, you would think at least that uh, that would uh, contribute to uh, better health and reduced health care costs. I hope so. Uh, that's anyway, what that's uh, what we're betting on. Yeah, yeah. So th thank you very much, Fred. I really appreciate all the time and all the insights that you've shared with me and our listeners. You're welcome. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure, and I appreciate uh, the questions and hope people enjoy listening to the answers. Our guest today has been Brad Wakefield, CEO of the Corvallis Clinic.
Please join us for our next podcast coming soon. This is Lonnie Hirsch wishing you great success in your healthcare business strategy.